Welcome to China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. Under the leadership of Xi Jinping, China has been asserting itself as a confident and strong country. Members of the Communist Party are urged to faithfully implement their leader's agenda at home and abroad. But what are the risks associated with a system in which one person has so much influence and authority? And if Xi Jinping is in charge of almost everything, shouldn't he take the blame when things go wrong? Our guest on the podcast today is the perfect person to shed light on Xi Jinping's governance of China, as he's just authored an impressive report on scenarios for Xi Jinping's third term in a study entitled Shaky China. Bernhard Bartsch is Director of External Relations at a German think tank called the Mercator Institute for China Studies, or MERIX for short. He joins me on the line from Berlin. Bernhard, thank you very much indeed for taking part in China in Context. Thank you. Great to be here. Now, in your report, you wrote that she has centralised power in a way not seen since and in some ways exceeding the era of Mao Zedong. Can you remind us what happened in China when Mao Zedong, Chairman Mao, was the leader? Chairman Mao founded the People's Republic of China in 1949 and on and off was the leader until his death in 1976. And his leadership style was very much dependent on his cult of personality that over those years he developed and he had different power bases. Um, it was in the party, it was in the army in the beginning, later it was the Red Youth in, during the Cultural Revolution. So after Mao's death, as we all know, China under Deng Xiaoping went onto the road of reform and opening up and actually wrote into its constitution that it will never again allow a cult of personality um, in the way it had experienced then. What we see today with Xi Jinping, it's all very much centered around him as the core leader. Xi Jinping is really hardwiring his position bureaucratically to secure the dominance of the Communist Party over all state organs. Now, you mentioned COVID in your report. China adopted a so-called zero COVID approach with very strict lockdowns and restrictions on travel. That led to some protests at the end of last year. There were demonstrations on the streets, and I can remember watching videos online of some people chanting, down with COVID, down with Xi Jinping. Now, as you know, such demonstrations are very rare. They were also, I noticed, very short-lived. How do you perceive this challenge to Xi Jinping's position? There are two sides to it. One side is that these protests showed the discontent that is there. And people were demonstrating at a moment where they were desperate. Zero COVID was failing in China. And it was Xi Jinping's personal decision to extend that zero COVID policy for month and month, while the rest of the world had already proven that approach wrong. And people were desperate and went to the streets, well, knowing what the consequences would be. And that's the other side of the story. Even though there was such massive discontent, 
it was crushed severely um, very quickly. The leaders of it were punished severely and it showed how effective the system is to prevent any large scale demonstrations and any challenge to the central leader. Well, that's an interesting point too. And actually some of the guests on this podcast have said those demonstrations were probably dealt with out of the view of the media. They may have been taken to police stations or uh, imprisoned in ways that we just don't know about in the West. Now, you and your colleagues have looked closely at the ambitious goals of Xi Jinping. Those are the goals that he set for the next five years. We don't have time to go through them all, but are there some which you think are particularly significant? From a Western perspective, from a European perspective, the agenda that directly challenges our interests are, of course, the most important ones. And from a German perspective, we care a lot about China's technological ambitions, its drive for independence, technological independence, and the means that it employs to do that, um, which includes not only putting massive resources into certain future technologies, but also exerting massive pressure on companies to transfer technology um, to China and become a global leader with means that really undermine global level playing fields and the free markets as we know them. The other area where China is of massive concern for us is China's ambition to become world power, what Xi Jinping calls the rejuvenation um, of the Chinese nation. And what that means is something that we can see in China's close ties to Russia and China's support of Russia in the war against Ukraine, where to put it very bluntly, Vladimir Putin may be something like a useful idiot for Xi Jinping because he challenges the West and he shows to what extent the West can be tested, to what extent um, international institutions can be, be undermined. It has backfired um, massively. China would like to reform and, and change international institutions. It's setting up its own parallel institutions. It is challenging the West wherever it can. And that, of course, goes very much against our interests. Well, you're absolutely right. Those are crucially important themes, and they'll be ones that we return to on the podcast, actually. Now, can we talk about how Xi Jinping is tightening his grip on power? My understanding is that he has surrounded himself with staunch supporters, and he's purged the upper ranks of the Communist Party of anybody who had a tendency to favour reform. What's your view? It's clear after 10 years of Xi Jinping leadership that he has an agenda that he wants to implement in the coming years, however long he will still be reigning. He's 70 now. Um, if things go well, he'll have another 10 years. And maybe he seems to be aiming at that. And he surrounded himself with allies whose focus is on implementing his vision. We shouldn't underestimate the people that Xi Jinping has surrounded himself with. Many of them are very experienced, very able managers of 
provinces, ministries implementing um, policies. So we must expect China to be very forceful in realizing the agenda that Xi Jinping has set out. Well, I can see that the concept of stability is a crucial one for the Chinese Communist Party. There are many articles and political speeches which stress stability and also control. But in your report, you actually claim that China is on shaky ground. That's the title of your report. And the situation is actually rather less stable and predictable than it was 10 years ago. What led you to that conclusion? It's an interesting conclusion that we came to after looking at a lot of different factors that shape China's path. And we looked at political factors, technological factors, economic factors, social factors, external, internal factors. And when you look at China's development in all these different areas, you come to the conclusion that China isn't on a path to success. In, in many of them. And actually, this is reflected in a lot of the policies that Xi Jinping himself has, has put forward. Um, security and control are at the center of his speeches. He is um, calling on the party to prepare for struggle um, because of external pressure, but also um, because of internal pressures, the economy is not growing as fast as it did. There's massive youth unemployment, there's environmental problems, there's challenges to food security. The Communist Party is very much aware that it has difficult years ahead of itself. That doesn't mean that China is going to break down. We don't see that. We don't see an internal revolt like we've said about the mass protests. Xi Jinping has been very successful at creating a security state, an all-encompassing national security system that secures himself and the Communist Party, but they are aware that they are on very shaky ground. Let's talk about US-China relations. In June 2023, President Joe Biden referred to Xi Jinping as a dictator. Now, what do you think the president meant by that term? Everyone's trying to figure that out. It wasn't the first time that Biden called Xi a dictator. He said, said different things like Xi Jinping doesn't have a democratic bone in his body. It was definitely meant as a derogatory term. And it shows the fundamental conflict that the US and China are in. Now, Joe Biden definitely wasn't speaking as a political scientist. He was making a political statement. Um, and if you look at which other leaders have been called dictators, you can make a point for Xi Jinping being a dictator or for China being a one-party dictatorship, at least. Well, I'm very aware that I'm talking to you, a German scholar, on the line in Berlin. Now, you've looked closely at Xi Jinping's style of governance. Do you think the word dictator applies to China's president? If you take North Korea's leader, Kim Jong-un, as definitely a dictator, him ruling in third generation, then Xi Jinping is something milder. Yes, Xi Jinping has a lot of personal power, but he's still bound within a system that 
restricts him um, and that doesn't give him full personal control of, of everything. For example, he hasn't been able to cement his own status um, with the what he calls the two establishes um, writing into the party constitution that he is in fact the core of the party and that his thinking is the guiding ideology of the party. So it doesn't get as personal as that, but he has massive power and leaders with much lesser um, control have been called dictators. But of course, it's not just the Americans who are reframing their relationship with China. You also note in your report that dealing with China is becoming increasingly difficult for German and European politicians and businesses. So to finish with, what's your best piece of advice to policymakers or people working in international diplomacy? From a European perspective, it's important to find a realistic, pragmatic European approach of dealing both with China and the US and positioning ourselves here in between those two big um, superpowers. I think we must assume that the conflict between the US and China is going to stay with us for the decade to come and maybe beyond that. Um, the Chinese are talking about this conflict as a conflict that cannot be solved and that is defining their worldview and that's how they look at us. So we're being pulled in, in both directions, baiting ones, Europeans and individual European governments on their side. Washington does the same with a much, much better and stronger bargaining position. It's clear that we're strongly in a Western camp. If push comes to shove, we'd be happy if push doesn't come to shove, but we must prepare for all kinds of scenarios. That's why we actually did this extensive scenario study to prepare what for, for what could happen in the coming years. Well, thank you, Bernhard. You've given a lot of thought to that conversation. That was Bernhard Bartsch, Director of External Relations at Merix. And you can download the report that he wrote with his colleagues, Shaky China, from the website for free. And it's well worth reading in my view. This podcast is made by the SOAS China Institute in London. There's more about our courses and research at our website, soas.ac.uk. But for now, that's all from us here on the China in Context podcast team. Thank you.